Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Scott, T-Bob, where are you? Right here, Dad. If you are looking for us, oh, why didn't you just whistle? You have tulips, don't you? Come on, you clowns. Welcome to Mass Mayhem. This is episode 15. I bet you're wondering, where the hell have we been the last two years? Well, Miles Mayhem has had us uh, locked up. Probably the most confident thing he ever did was fool Optimus Solo. Uh, He still has Optimus Solo captive. Um, I'm your host, TFG1 Mike, and introducing a brand new host to Mass Mayhem, Toon Master Tim. Hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me co-host the episode. Um... I'm happy to be here, and been a long time GCRN listener, of course. Uh, so it's good to be back uh, on a on a podcast. We did record uh, a while back uh, a GCRN Wars episode, Silverhawks versus Thundercats, which was a lot of fun for those who yeah. held on for the three hours of that debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I said, Mass Mayhem has been a very, very unscheduled, constant interruption, two-year hiatus. I plan to have this show done before now, really did. Uh, things just kept coming up in Kevin's personal life and my personal life, and we just couldn't couldn't get around to it. Uh, we, are, we deeply apologize to the listeners, but Tim and I are here to finish it off, and uh, it, it, it's kind of fitting that we come uh, back at episode 15 because the show's only 30, the podcast is only 30 episodes, so we've only got 15 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, briefly, why don't you uh, give the listeners some 
some info on what your history with mask is since we're kind of starting kind of fresh and and what your you know if you grew up with it and I know you were listening when we were originally doing the show and what your kind of opinions are on the show so far okay sure um, well it was a show that I knew about as a child I saw the commercials for the, the toys but uh, I didn't get a station that the cartoon actually came on, so I never got to watch Mask episodes until Shout Factory released that entire series set. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was I was excited to get to watch it for the first time uh, because I did think the toys were very cool. And I never had any of the toys, as I recall, but my brother did have the Thunderhawk. Um, you know, that was such a cool toy and uh, a cool vehicle. And of course, you know, I wanted to get Rhino, but you know that never happened for whatever reason and usually it's funny though I think about it because um, you know my brother and I were only separated by a year in age so usually we got something similar so I don't know why I didn't get a mask toy as well I must have gotten something else it wasn't a mask toy but it must have been some sort of vehicle because that's just how things went you know if he got a GI Joe I got a GI Joe you know yeah if, if he got a transformer I got a transformer this is how it worked Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's maybe a, yeah. Maybe your parents decided to be cruel and give give him all the cool mask toys and saddle you with go butts. <laughs> uh, no, so we didn't have any go butts. Yeah. <laughs> good parents, good parenting. <laughs> Although I did get to watch go butts when I was younger, and I did not get to watch Transformers, so I, I did miss out on that in my childhood. Yes. So, what are your initial opinions on the season so far? We're starting in this episode of the podcast. We will be covering episodes thirty-five, thirty-six, and thirty-seven. What are your initial opinions on the first thirty-four episodes of the series? <laughs> well, I pretty much agree with you and Kevin on a lot of the rankings for the episodes. Um, mm-hmm. There are some that are not so bad and, and tolerable, and there are others that are just. They're just cringeworthy, as and we'll we'll get into that with with these episodes this week too. There are some good ones, and there's, you know, one that's not so good in my opinion. Um, they're they're not the best. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a mashup, sort of, of Transformers and GI Joe. It's a good way to describe the series, but mm-hmm. the writing is just not very good. Uh, no. It really isn't. The plots are not very strong, and you've had the same cast of characters pretty much every episode. I mean, they do mix it up with you know the the Venom team members, the Mask team members, but we know that it's going to be Venom that's you know uh, causing whatever uh, mm-hmm. trouble there is that week. Um, so it's it's sort of redundant, and and eventually becomes uh, uninteresting to a certain point. But I I still like the show. I still enjoy it for what it is. Do you have any favorite characters or least favorite characters? Um, I don't know. I don't think that there are a lot of strong characters. I mean, they try to do some things with uh, some of the characters, like in Mask, in the Mask team, you know, they've got, uh, you know, the Master of Disguise, and uh, Alex is really cool. He, he's very smart, and he knows the technology, and he, you know, drives Rhino, so that's really cool. I, I guess I... The character I probably like the most now that I think about it is Sly Rax uh, on the Venom mm-hmm. team because he's just always button heads with Miles. You know, he doesn't mind going up against him and just telling him, you know, this is a stupid idea or, you know, he's it, almost like the Starscream, but he's not quite to that level. 
but yeah. he's always kind of well, in contention with Miles, and I like that. Yeah, Rax doesn't have Starscream's need for control of, of certain factions. Um, uh, okay, least favorite characters. Um, you know, I know that you don't like T-Bob, but yeah, I don't find him that annoying. Uh, oh, well, my God. It's not, it's, honestly, it's not just him. It's both him and Scott. It, yeah. Together, they suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things I do find annoying about T-Bob is uh, his his puns and just these terrible lines that he give, that they give him. Um <laughs> That's meant to be humorous, and it's just—it's just not funny. Um, but I don't—I don't, I don't—I don't hate him. I mean, he's okay, but he's probably the most annoying character in the show. I mean, he and Scott, like you said, but Scott's—he's not—not as bad as some other sidekick, you know, young kid characters in other shows. I might. I don't know if I'm going to do this, but I, I really want to get all of the classic 80s action cartoon children together and do some sort of top 10 or top 20 best to worst or worst to best countdown of who is actually the worst kid in an 80s cartoon series. I still maintain it, Scott. I, I still, out of, out of all the kids in the 80s, out of um, those kids on Dragon. Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Spike from Spike and Chip from Transformers. Um, who, uh, who else? Uh, some of the girls from Gem, the 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 Starlight Girls. Uh, I really want to do that. I want to get I want to get a countdown going of from best to from worst to best, as far as the '80s kid cartoon characters because. Uh, I have never been so infuriated with any other character other than Scott Tracker. I, this kid just, oh, yeah, he's written to always get in trouble. You know, he's he's doing things he's not supposed to do, and and mm-hmm. his dad's trying to you know to go find him or figure out what he got into. Uh, he's always messing around with T Bob. You know, he's always tinkering with T Bob and you know turning him into a popcorn holder or a popcorn maker or toaster or something and uh and that always causes problems i mean yeah they are they are annoying as i'm running down the list of other characters like that and other cartoons i'm, I'm beginning to see what you're saying that yeah you probably <laughs> are annoying um most annoying um, maybe uh definitely in the top five top three top two most likely um i you know there was one time I really loved a, a joke that Scott did with T-Bob, and that was, I forget which episode it was in, but they were at some some restaurant or something, and they were eating spaghetti and meatballs, and we had, oh, look, T-Bob doggy bag to go. So I did kind of like that, where he had the spaghetti in his little compartment or whatever it was, but yeah, no. All right, folks, we're going to get into uh, the episodes right after this. Better go after him, Scott. Looks like he's malfunctioning. Oh, Dad. He's your responsibility. Oh, T-Bob. Computer, list any unusual events preceding the collapse of the dike. One ultrasound analyzer unit stolen 17 days ago. Theft unexplainable because device has only one purpose, to examine dikes. It worked perfectly. This modified analyzer destroyed the dike with pure ultrasonic vibration. 
You're sure nobody detected the source? No one would think to look for something so simple. Only animals can hear it. It drives them nuts. Boy, if this little thing can do all that damage, then this baby really ought to rattle some cages. All right, folks, so here's the thing. Uh, Optimus Solo is no longer on this podcast as of this episode. Tim has graciously taken his place. Kevin did tell me he was not interested in finishing out Mask. Um, it, the cartoon just had no interest for him anymore, so he went ahead and told me that I could go ahead and recast, and I figured, oh, hey, let's bring Tim in. Let's, let's subject him to the horror of this cartoon. Um, and here's the thing. Optimus Solo is a very awesome guy. He's a very in-depth guy. He, he goes above and beyond, but I'm not like that. I, this cartoon to me is so bad, it does not deserve me writing out an entire plot synopsis. So, from here on out, I will be reading the very short mini plot synopsis from Wiki. Tim will still give us what Optimus Solo did with who, what characters are in each episode. So, he'll give us who's on the Mass team and who's on the Venom team after I read the plot synopsis. So... The first episode, Season 1, Episode 35, title is in Dutch. The air date was November 15th, 1985. A madman hires Venom to destroy the flood dikes in the Netherlands if their parliament doesn't allow him a political position. What do we have on the teams this time around? Alright, well, on the mask team we have Gloria, Dusty, and Brad who joined Matt for this adventure. Um... Actually, I didn't write down who was on the Venom team. Uh, I think it's the I think it's the usuals. I think it's Miles, Vanessa, um, Rax, Rax, and Dagger. And Dagger, yeah. Um, in Dutch, oh boy, uh, the plot is average at best. I would say. Um, you're going to destroy something in order for the government to give you a political position. I mean, that's kind of like what's... It's kind of like something, you know, from today's standards, almost. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it is sort of a typical uh, average plot, but uh, I, I kind of like what they did with it. I mean, we start off with uh, Scott, T-Bob, and, and Matt talking with uh, a gentleman... Uh, they're standing, you know, in this field of flowers. It's very colorful, and he's explaining, you know, the purpose of the dikes, the, you know, uh, Holland is below sea level and all this. And, uh, you know, they're worried about the dikes possibly breaking. And then, you know, we turn to uh, some scientists or, or some, some guys who have this analyzer in the back of the pickup truck. And um, it's supposed to analyze the dike and make sure that it's, it's safe and it, it's you know structurally sound, and uh, and they have this thing give us reading and say, oh yeah, you know it's it's going to stand here for fifty years, um, but then before long, like some weird things start happening. We hear Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some dogs barking, and then 
the dike starts to break apart and busts and all this water comes flooding through and they have to basically climb up a tree to avoid uh, being drowned in the water. So, I mean, you kind of wonder, you're kind of left wondering what is going on. And the thing that caught me was, you know, okay, well, what was the deal with the dogs barking? You know, how does that come into play? Which we find out later on. Uh, it's a high, it's, it, yeah. Venom is using ultrasonic frequencies. Right. And that's how they were able to, uh, to break up the dike. Yeah. Um, this plot is way too average for me. I mean, it it really starts out as as a mystery, mm-hmm. but as soon as we find out that it's Venom using ultrasonics, and honestly, you know, as I watch this, and it's been, like I said, two years since I've even looked at this cartoon, since we did episode 14 way back in... Uh, 2012 um as soon as we find out it's venom I'm like oh god of course <laughs> Duh. of course it's yeah. going to be venom and it just i don't know these this cartoon i will say this i i know people will get sick of me saying this between this episode and the final episode of this series that we do episode 30 of the podcast i will say this once an episode this cartoon is the there's only two good things about it the theme song and when they assembled the team that's it yeah i i i I tend to agree with that i mean there are some episodes that aren't so bad but it is sort of the same idea same plot recycled uh over and over now the thing is you can look at other cartoons and say oh well gi joe for example was the sort of same thing like we knew it's going to be cobra yeah you did but you had a much broader cast of characters and much you had much better writers <laughs> and, and, and better writers um and mass doesn't have that i mean i wish that they had the title on the episode and we could see also who was getting the writing credit Mm-hmm. Uh, or things like with with Mask, it's just basically a bunch of staff writers, and I know they have credits at the end of the episodes, so you get to see who the writers are. But I don't think I've ever seen them actually credit the episode to a specific writer. No. Um, on the DVD it, sets, I mean, speaking of writing, on the DVD sets, there's some bonus features, and I believe that they talked to um, some of the creators of the show, and they were talking about how they were very. Uh, careful about the, the plots and they they the the, the the head writers wanted to make sure that the the shows were intelligently written and they it seemed like the writers were put through a lot of um, I don't know they were given a lot of direction on, on what they were supposed to write into these episodes to make them better and I don't really think they delivered on a lot of the episodes I think there's only one episode out of this entire series to this point that I absolutely loved. I honestly don't know how many, I don't know how many fives, five masks out of five I've ever given this series, but um, it was uh, season one, episode 24, the counterclockwise caper, which is set in Las Vegas. Yes. I remember Uh, that one. Yeah. That is the only episode outside of the very first episode. When we first see the history and the first team up, the first episode in that episode are the only ones in season one to this point that I have absolutely said I absolutely love. The rest of them are either just mediocre, I don't care, or they're just god-awful. Um, all right, so in Dutch, um, the plot 
I don't feel is done very. I don't feel that it's executed very well. Um, I don't feel it's it's written very well. Uh, any other thoughts before we hit the high beams, if there are any? Um, are we talking low beams right now, or just no, no, no? And final final thoughts on the plot. Uh, I, I think you've pretty much said it. It's fairly weak. There are there are a few action moments that occur during the episode that I think do carry it, even though that the plot is fairly thin. But yeah, mm -hmm. the, the plot itself is just, you know, it's a typical recycled plot we've seen before. Yeah. All right. We're going to hit the high beams after this. Mr. Tracker, the dikes are very well constructed. After all, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. Was there any sort of natural force that could have... There were no high winds, no waves, no earthquake. Then it must have been an unnatural force. Come on, T-Bob. Let's go back to the cottage. Uh, at least one of these darn things flies. And I'm going to find it. They're all the same. They're just windmills. Oh, yeah? Oh, what about that one? What about it? The sails are turning the wrong way. Not that one. That one over there. You're right. Let's check it out. At last, something's blowing my way. All right, we are turning on the high beams. Um, I, this is more of a plot observation than a real high beam, but I wrote down under high beams for this episode. I bet that flying windmill is switchblade. Well, duh. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Actually, um, I have here in my high beams that I didn't expect the switchblade to be in that flying windmill. So it was kind of a surprise for me. I don't know why I didn't see that coming, but for some reason I didn't. So I was like, oh, that was clever. I, th I thought it was just going to be a windmill that was, you know, carrying some device or some machine, but I, I should have known. <laughs> My other high beam is Switchblade farted in Thunderhawk's face. This image will be in the post, people. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually like that. So um, what what's happening is... Matt is trying to follow the the flying uh, windmill, windmill and the thunderhawk, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, the switchblade cuts loose. We find out that it was a switchblade under there all along, and then part of the windmill gets caught on the windshield of the thunderhawk, and so Matt can't see. He's trying to get it off, and then all of a sudden, Miles brings the the switchblade down in front of him and just turns the burners on and scorches the windshield of the thunderhawk and sends him crashing into the water. It was that was pretty cool. It was an awesome scene because it really looked like the switchblade was farting on the Thunderhawk. After the fire from the burners, you see kind of the smoke and it's kind of white, you know, smoke and whatever else. Uh -huh. Like I said, the image will be in the post for people so they can see <laughs> what we're talking about. But it was just so friggin' funny. Um, what 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 uh, stuff do you have for high beams? Uh, well, other than the switchblade being hidden inside the flying windmill. Um, I also, I like the animation in this episode, and I'm not going to like mm -hmm. bring this up all the time, um, because I think the story really is what carries the episodes. 
Um, but sometimes the animation is just really good and it's spot on. And this is one of those episodes where it really was spot on. I mean, the characters and all the vehicles looked like they were on model. It was very fluid. So I, I, that's one of the reasons I think I you know, enjoyed watching this episode. And like I said, there was enough action in between these plot points to, to keep it moving. I didn't feel bored, even though it wasn't necessarily a, a new plot, you know, something different that we hadn't really seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and as much as I, you know, now that I'm thinking about this after the Thunderhawk lands, I, I will have a negative moment about this, but after it, um, lands and is in the water and Matt realizes, Hey, wait, rockets can fire underwater. Yeah. I did kind of like him streaking up the side of the, the duct or whatever it was. It, it was a cool image, but just the whole the whole process of even getting that done is so such a low beam. So uh, I think we're going to turn the low beams on after this. This is the one time mass won't be running in. Happy landing! <laughs> Let's turn on the low beams for in Dutch. Oh, oh, God. I'm already cringing. Two lips. Tulips, really, T bitch? Come on, that's a horrible line. Ugh. Oh, yeah, it is. I had I had the same issue with that. I mean, in the first few minutes of this episode, we're getting mm-hmm. so many puns. It is not funny. I mean, literally, it is not funny. I mean, the two lips, and then they're talking about the dike holding back the water, and T Bobby says something like, you know, being on the level and. They just kept coming. I, I stopped writing them down. I mean, it was just so bad. <laughs> there's only other. There's only one of the one I wrote down because it was just so bad. But my next one is, um, okay, seriously, Switchblade blasted Thunderhawk with its jets. Thunderhawk looks blackened and bruised on the hood. It lands in the water without the blackened bruising. And then when it returns, the car is upside down under the water. Really? Come on, animators. Oh God! And then the the one that I did have for, for the other quote: "Wait a minute, I can barely understand you." Oh, oh I so want to super glue T bomb to T Bob to a nuclear bomb. Seriously, oh my God! See, it, um, it's it's lines like that they give T Bob often, and that's one of the reasons why you just you can't like him. I mean. <laughs> How are you going to like somebody that's always saying things like that? Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. Uh, just terrible yeah. lines to give any character. It's so terrible. Um, you know, I felt, as I was watching this, I felt that the episode was just there, honestly. Um, it There was no real story behind it all. Like, there wasn't any great mystery. There wasn't... Uh, we find out it's Venom, and and that's that. And my final note was... Part of the PSA, stunted growth, really? Come on, T-Bob. What about you for low beams? Uh, Well, the other thing I have that you didn't have uh, is something we haven't talked about, is that the evil guy wanting to be prime minister, he's (laughs) actually stroking a cat. Yeah. He is is the evil guy who's stroking a cat. It's a James Bond reference, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
That is, that is true. So they were they were um, giving homage to that, but uh, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so cliche. <laughs> I think the other change we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, now that we're back here on the podcast, is we're going to give the ratings right after the low beams. Um, for me, the puns were so cringeworthy. Like, I get it. It's the 80s. I'm not saying that Mask stands up to today's standard of television writing or animation writing or any. I, I'm looking at this show as it was in even back then, I grant you, I bet you, as a five-year-old, six-year-old watching this, I would have cringed at some of these lines. They're so bad. Um, for me, I'm going to give it two out of five masks. There were, like I said, I did enjoy the Switchblade farting in Thunderhawk's face, and I did kind of predict that the windmill was going to be Switchblade, but um, the rest of it is just... Mm. What about you? Yeah, um, I, I, I see what you mean. Uh, I, I did like some of the action in this episode. Uh, I thought the animation was, was very good and, and helped carry the episode, and it really uh, pushed some of the action. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give it three masks. I, I think it was kind of in the middle of the road. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. It was one that I could watch again. So, yeah. No, I will never watch this episode again. No way. You couldn't pay me a billion dollars to watch this episode again. Oh my god. Alright, we'll be back with the next episode after this. I'm seeing it, but I know no work. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You can do that kind of stuff. The Lipizzaner Stallions can. They're trained for years. And they do this kind of stuff every day? No, this is a special performance. In honor of the Amir of Amra. Hey, Dad, what's this? Me, huh? Oh, I've got over a million motivation and logic circuits in me. And what does he use me for? Ah, popcorn box. So up next is the Lippy Zaner, Lippy Zaner, Zonder, whatever the hell mystery. Um, <laughs> okay. Venom steals the famous Lippy Zander stallions, which where an Arab purchases them, purchases them for $5 million. But the mass team member Dusty Hayes foils their heist. Um, uh, I, a mystery of horses, really, really, your standard horse smuggling operation, like, <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. this reminds me, uh, if they didn't 
like if they were if Venom was gonna steal one horse instead of all five of them or ten of them or however many of these damn things there were, if they were gonna steal one horse, you know, fake its death, and then give it to the guy at some other point so that no one thinks the horse is still alive, I'm like, okay, that's the King Jack episode from Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my god, oh this plot. Well, Ugh. and they they do it for actually a small amount of money for an organization like Venom. I mean, they tell the guy that they want one million dollars to steal the horses, um, and four million they, for something else. Yeah, yeah, they ask him to cough up four million dollars for delivery of the horses. Yeah, which I actually kind of like that. I like that. You know, they tell this guy, yeah, we'll do it, you know, for this much money, and then they do it and, and you know, turn the tables and ask for more money. I I also, um, I like the twist that uh, Amir is the guy that, that wanted to buy the horses from Venom. Um, that he was, in the beginning, he was the one they were putting on the, the, the show for with the Lipizzaner horses. And mm-hmm. then... Later, we find out that he is actually the one responsible for them being kidnapped so that he can purchase them for Venom. And yeah, again, that's I, a plot twist we should have seen coming, but I thought that I kind of did nice. see it coming. I was like, that guy is. I was kind of like playing my own version of, um, of um, what's his name from Iron Man 3? Um, crap. I was going to say Foggy Nelson, but that was. That was um, Daredevil, um, happy. I was kind of like the happy Hogan of the eighties watching this episode because I'm like, yeah, there's something suspicious about this guy. I'm going to follow this guy. Cause I, I kind of feel like it wasn't a shock to me that, that he, cause I've seen so many plots like this before because they'll, what they'll do is they'll set the guy up in the, in the beginning to be, Oh, he's such a good guy. And then, you know, midway through the episode, Oh no, he's the one actually behind the whole thing. Yeah, I see that. I, but I, at first, I was just going along with it, and they didn't really give any indication that he had anything to do with it. You know, at first, they're just there, you know, watching the horses put on this show, and then they get spooked, and they all run off, and they run into um, this this um, this area where basically they can't get out, but all of a sudden they're they're missing, and so that's really kind of a mystery that. Uh, is weaved in the plot as well as the mass trying to figure out what happened to these horses. You know, they ran down this hall and there's nothing but a bunch of locked cages. So where did they go? And they see the horse prints in the, in the dirt. Um, and then it's not until later that, you know, Scott says something, uh, about what was it? A, a trap door or I don't know, something yeah. that made him think about that. It's like, Oh yeah, obviously it's a trap door. Yeah. Yeah, that's how they smuggled the horses out. Yeah, because they look at the, they look at the old uh, building plans for the for the place, and they find that there is an old tunnel under it. Right. Um. Plot. I honestly, <laughs> excuse me, honestly, out of the two episodes, I'd watch in Dutch again before I watch <laughs> this again. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna hit the high beams after this. Not through here to the stables. It's latched from this side. And the tracks end here in the tunnel. They just disappear. 
My thanks to you for turning aside the stampede. Oh, shucks. It was my pleasure. I ain't had so much fun since the hogs ate Uncle George. But no one has found the horses? No. The tracks end in the dead-end tunnel. It is a shame. Myself, I would give my entire fortune for just one of those beautiful Lipizzaners. So before we get to the high beams, we forgot to include who the team members are this time around. Who are they? Uh, for Mask, we have Dusty and Mac. Gloria and Buddy join up later. Um, one of the interesting things here is that we actually see what they're doing this time, which we didn't see in the previous episode in Dutch. So mm -hmm. we see Gloria's at the dentist, and she's in the chair, and there's a whole, <laughs> some for some reason there's a girl next to her in the other chair holding a teddy bear, and so Gloria has to jet off, and she uh, asks the girl if she can borrow the teddy bear, and then Gloria <laughs> puts the teddy bear in the dentist chair. Um, and then uh, we see Buddy running to give uh, a woman a bouquet of roses. He's got a hot date. He's got a hot date, but he just leaves her standing there with the roses and takes off. Um, and the other thing that was interesting is that um, when Matt assembles the mass team in this episode, their names are not mm -hmm. called out by the computer. So we just simply flash to what the team members are doing when they're called. Right, right. Uh, and then on the Venom team, we have Miles and Rax, who are later joined by Dagger and Vanessa. Hmm. All right, so for high beams, it gave me a laugh and an eye roll that Scott's idea of fun is trouble. Uh, <laughs> I love the shot where Matt is pretty much right on top of Rax. I think it was when he was in Thunderhawk, he nearly landed the front end of the car right on Rax's head. I thought that was hilarious. Um, uh, I wrote this note, and I honestly don't... I You know, I just watched these episodes a day before we recorded this. I honestly don't remember why I wrote this down, but uh, Matt Tracker is dead. Podcast over. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I don't... It was after the Rax thing. I'm not sure exactly, because I write my notes as as the episode progresses. Right. Um, T-Bob wrecks a hotel just like a rock star would. <laughs> Uh, ride them, Dusty. Yeehaw! Good lord. Um, what'd you have for high beams? Um, I like that they use the mask powers more in this episode, so that was really cool to see. Although, this almost sounds like a... I don't know, it just doesn't sound good. It sounds like BSDM or something. The Whip and the Penetrator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they actually call out the names. Whip, mm -hmm. and then you know. Then I think Vanessa's power calls out the penetrator. Or no, this... penetrator is uh, is Brad. I think. Okay, it's Brad, and then the whip. Brad and or Dusty, uh, and she she has the whip. Okay. <laughs> but they just set them basically back to back, and it was the flow yeah. became very. It was like struck a chord. It was like, wow, that doesn't sound good for little kids to be yelling that <laughs> out as they're playing with the mask toys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and like I said, I actually did like the twist of Amir being the buyer of the stallions. Because, uh, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I, you know, I should have picked up on that, but uh, I, I was just going along with it, so I thought that was a nice twist in the plot. Um, I also like the explosions of the switchblade. Those were pretty cool because it gets hit hard. I mean, that whole glass canopy, it just 
shatters, and then Matt completely blows it up. I mean, the switchblade is blown to pieces. Yeah, it is. Um, and yet, in the very next episode, it's completely fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Any other high beams? Uh, there were a couple of lines I thought were pretty funny. Scott says something like, where's your spirit of adventure? And then T-Bob responds uh, to the effect of, I think it's the first thing you took out. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of funny. That's not as cheesy as some of his other lines. Yeah. Uh, so I, right. I give him some credit for that because usually it's puns, as we, as we said before. So that was yeah. pretty good. All right, we'll be back with low beams after this. I wonder what this is. A sonic transmitter producing a sound pitch too high for human ears. So this is what they use to spook the horses. Variable frequency transmitter at 30,000 cycle note. Original research done at International Electronics. Believed stolen by Venom. Venom! We are turning on the low beams for the horse mystery show. Um, stop being cocky, Scott. I, I don't know. He was doing something. I don't know. Uh, and seriously, let it. They let him go every friggin' time and say, "Oh, but we got the real culprit right here." Yeah, I didn't like that either. You're just going to have to catch him tomorrow, Matt. <sighs> like, I know. But see, here's the thing. What if what if they caught them, put them in jail, and then they escape? They could always escape. So, like, instead of consistently letting the bad guy go every single episode, it's just... Uh, I don't know. What low beams did you have for this one? Um... I just have one, but did you catch some of the strange lines that Buddy had? I mean, mm-hmm. like, he called the horses crow bait. I mean, <laughs> where did that come from? That's just, I think that's an odd thing to to have in an animated show. And, and why call a horse crow bait? That seems funny to me. I, I didn't get it. And then there's the other, um, the other line when he's saving the, the boy from the stampede of the horses. And he answers Matt with something like, uh, you know, well, I haven't had that much fun since the pigs ate Uncle George. <laughs> I'm like, what? What did I just hear? I actually had to go back and listen to it again. I'm like, what did he just say? <laughs> it wasn't that they attempted to eat Uncle George, that they ate Uncle George. Yeah, wow. since the pigs ate Uncle George, if I heard it correctly, I listened to it twice. Yeah, Wow. Yeah, the writing in this show is not very good <laughs> at all. Um, uh, when you said um, uh, the, the horses would be crowbait, all as I can think of is Roger Rabbit. My Uncle Thumper had to go to probate one time and took these big <laughs> pills. Not prostate, you idiot, probate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for Lipizander, um, one mask out of five. After I watched it, and I watched it twice, I watched it the first time to get the audio clips, and I watched it the second time taking notes, and 
even though I don't have a lot of low beams on this one, it it's it reminds me too much of every other horse stealing plot I've ever seen, and it's just that bad. What about you? Uh, I'm gonna give it four masks because I really. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I like the action on this one. I, I know, I know. <laughs> it is a tired plot. It's something we've seen before. But I have to remember this is Mask, and this was one of the episodes that um, it, it it was watchable. I I didn't get bored with it. I was wanting to see what happened, and like I said there was some good action in it. Um, there were a few funny lines. So overall, I'm going to give it an above average rating of four. All right, we're going to move on to the final episode after this. Dancing rocks? Did you get the picture, Harry? Harry? Sure, but don't be too long. I'm just picking up a couple of rolls of film. Didn't any of them turn out? Sorry, mate. They're overexposed. You and your fancy camera. Now, no one will believe we saw those dancing rocks. Dancing rocks? Dancing rocks? Oh, it was nothing, uh, really. Uh, let's go, Mildred. He probably thinks we got rocks in our heads. Alright, finally up today is the Sacred Rock. Oh boy. Here we go. The Sacred Rock. Venom frightens a tribe of Australian aborig Aborigines who believe their god Mimi is angry with them. When T-Bob makes an appearance, the tribe thinks he is their deity. Okay, I haven't done one of these in a while, but uh, and I hope I can do this with headphones on, ladies and gentlemen, but... <laughs> oh my god this episode is so bad oh it, it really is uh, I mean this this it, it sounds like this plot has been used before in this series has it not used before in this series and every other series and oh I, mean, I know it's been used in uh, in G.I. Joe Transformers even I mean and I know writers recycled some of their stories back then I mean, I just recently read uh, an article about the Transformers series and how those writers didn't—the writers didn't think that the shows would be remembered, you know, twenty, thirty years later. They just so they recycled uh, plots all the time. But this one, this is just bad. I mean, even for being a recycled plot, it, mm -hmm. it's a bad episode. Well, I know Optimus Solo loves like Indiana Jones and treasure hunting and everything else, and. I've been pretty harsh, if I remember, on a lot of the treasure hunting episodes in this series because I just feel that they're too over. I mean, unless... Now, I, I know it's not, you know, 2000s is not the 80s, but, like, for me to really enjoy a treasure hunt movie nowadays or a treasure hunt anything, it has to star Nicolas Cage and it has to do with the National Treasure franchise. Other than that, I don't give a crap about treasure hunting at all anymore. 
the only classic treasure hunting movie I will ever watch is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, I just I, I find the the realization of treasure hunting just so boring. It it just bores me to tears. Um, well, I I like the concept of it. I like that idea, and I think mm-hmm. it can work in in cartoons or film. Not in this one. (laughs) Not in this one, yeah. But, you know, even the National Treasure films. I mean, I think that, you know, those were entertaining and fun. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those are entertaining and fun, but this is so not. It it really isn't. And we take a long time to really get things moving along, it seems. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't even really get to see Venom until after, like, the first commercial break basically about halfway through the episode is when they come in because we know they're going to show up uh, yeah it's just a matter of time before we figure out you know what they have to do with all this and of course you know they want the treasure um but it's just not it's not a good plot and it's just not very interesting there's not really that much that's going on especially in the first half of the episode um you know you have the tourists that are there by the the sacred rock and we have the aborigines who who are there, you know, and I, I don't really know exactly what all happens in that first half. It just seems like they're kind of wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. And at the same time, we're just left hanging and not really very interested in what we're seeing. It's it's a really bad episode. Uh, yeah. I don't really know very what to say about so. it. I have no high beams whatsoever. I I have none. So do you have any at all? I I would just say that uh, it was good to see Bruce back again. Uh, we get to see Bruce Sato. Yeah, I will agree with that. Uh, and the other thing is, I think the last five minutes, there was some pretty good action. But again, it just was not enough to save this one. Nope. We're going to head straight for the low beams after this. Booyah, ho, ho, do, do. All right. Looks like they're doing a war dance. The natives are restless, but no sign of venom. Don't worry. I've got a feeling mayhem saving the last dance for us. All right, we're heading straight with the low beams, ladies and gentlemen. Um, seriously? Miles, Rax is as dumb as Dagger. Come on. Get your facts straight. Rax is not as dumb as Dagger. Agreed. Um, no way. I mean... Rax has it going on. I mean, but Dagger, yeah, Dagger, yeah, he, yeah. he can call him dumb, but not not Rax. No. Uh, T bitch, seriously, I knew that was gonna happen. You never backtrack like that. Something happened where he backed up and something hit him. A rock hit him, or something or other. T Bob did something stupid and he paid the price for it. Um, hold the fucking phone. They fell down that tall-ass mountain and have no injuries whatsoever? Fuck that crap right yeah. there. This is the crappiest storytelling ever. Um, the Rock has brought the Sky God. Seriously, T-Bob ain't no friggin' God. Uh, no shit, you shouldn't have left them alone, Matt. Duh. I don't know why these writers and these creators basically portray Matt Tracker as probably the single worst deadbeat dad around. <laughs> Seriously. Um, 
Med cabinets are as dangerous as venom. So, there's a PSA note for you, folks. Ugh. Um, what are your low beams for this one? Uh, I, I don't have anything to add to what you have already said or what I already <laughs> said about the, about the plot. Just basically just how slow the plot moved forward, and we just yeah. wondering what is going on here. And, you know, again, we know that reveal is going to be that Venom has something to do with it. It took so long to get there, and I just I lost right. interest. I did too, honestly. Um, I, I lost interest about halfway through. Honestly, the scene where they fall down the mountain and they don't die—like seriously, those that kid and that robot should be just the robot should be destroyed and the kid should be you know clinging to life. It just uh, all right. Goose egg for me on the rating. No masks whatsoever. None. I I can't. I just. Oh god. Not not even a one for effort, huh? Not even. No way. If I have no high beams written down, if I can't say anything positive about this episode, then there no. Yeah. What about you? I'm giving it a one, um, but that's being very generous. I I'm I'm on the verge of giving it a zero. I would not return to this episode again. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never again. All right. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear some ads and some other stuff from the GCRN partners and other stuff that we have going on. And we'll be back with final thoughts. We will also talk uh, briefly about the PSAs and more after this. What are you doing? I saw this guy jump off a building in a TV show once. T-Bob, you should never try a stunt that you see on TV. Right, Scott. Stunt people are trained experts, and some stunts are just camera tricks. Yes, I sort of stunt my growth, huh? <laughs> now you gotta remember, horses are bigger than you, but they scare easy. And some of them ain't too bright. Kinda like T-Bob? When you walk around behind a horse, you gotta always let them know you're there. Uh, how come? That keeps your riding lesson from turning into a flying lesson. Now he tells me. I can't find my comb. Maybe there's an extra comb in the cabinet. Now you've done it. T-Ball, if you ever need anything from a medicine cabinet, ask an adult. Medicines can be dangerous and poisonous. You're all right. From now on, medicine cabinets are off limits. They can be as dangerous as venom. And that's dangerous. All right, folks, we are back. And just to recap, uh, <laughs> for these episodes today, I rated... Um, in Dutch, a two out of five masks. Uh, the horse episode, uh, one out of five masks. And the, uh, what the hell is that? Uh, Sacred Rock, zero out of five masks. What were your ratings, just to recap for everybody in case they missed them? Sure. For In Dutch, I was giving that one three masks. The Lip is Honor Mystery, I gave a four. And Sacred Rock gets a one. That middle one's just too crazy. <laughs> uh the PSAs. What were the PSAs for this one or these these episodes? Uh so 
in Dash, the PSA was about not jumping, well, not trying to duplicate stunts you see on TV. So T-Bob jumps off the roof and lands on his feet and basically shrinks himself. Yes. because he, he supposedly saw something on TV, Superman or something, where somebody jumped off a building. He thought he could do it. Oh, my God. T-Bob is the 80s version of Johnny Knoxville's jackass. He is. Oh, good Lord. Uh, what about for the uh, the horse episode? Uh, this one tied into horse safety. And mm-hmm. just to let the horse know where you are so that you don't get kicked. So right. I, I thought that one was fine, and it tied into the episode. Yeah, and for the Sacred Rock, uh, a PSA basically just came out of left field. It didn't have anything to do with the episode, but uh, oh. it has a good message. It's just don't get into medicine cabinets. Yeah, um, T Bob was reaching into a medicine cabinet or a cabinet, and and uh, some medicine fell out, hit the floor, and yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, I, I don't like it when they do PSAs that have nothing to do with the episode. I mean, the the whole point of the PSA back in the 80s was to teach the children of a certain element from that episode of, the, of, of a cartoon what not to do. And while, you know, don't go reaching into a medicine cabinet, you know, kids shouldn't reach into the medicine cabinet by themselves is a good message. Right. It was very, very out of place here. Yeah, it was. All right, um, where um, where am I going from here? Um, thank you for joining us here on Mass Mayhem. There are several ways to get in contact with us to leave feedback for the show. Visit the website geekcastradio.com, which is all brand new and shiny. We have a new web design. We are in our fifth year. Uh, you can comment on all of our posts. If you look at our written reviews, you can also rate the the, the content more so. Like if you want to leave a star rating for a film we review or a TV show we review, you can do that. Send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. Leave the show's feedback on iTunes. <laughs> please do this. Even though we are suffering for you people, please give us some sort of positive feedback. We're trying. Um Follow us on Twitter. You can follow at Geekcast Radio for all the network updates. You can follow me, TFU and Mike. What is your Twitter? Tim Silvers. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast or radio network. Call the voicemail line. Tell us what you're in this for and your name. 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mass Mayhem. I wish you'll join us next time. And we'll be covering two more episodes from Mask Season 1. Those being... Curse of Solomon's Gorge and the Green Nightmare. For now, I am TF2 and Mike with Tim Silvers. Podcasting is the ultimate weapon. We will catch you next time. Interface with headquarters secured. Level 1 emergency. Give me the best team for service underwater and in the desert. Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 